Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. And the church said amen. Good morning, everybody. And welcome to Living Water Community Church. I want to welcome you. I want to welcome those who are joining us online. Um, don't forget to like and share, especially if you, you like what you're hearing. Um, we are in a message or a series that we've been calling First. Simply First. First. And we've been kind of challenging the people to apply the same, I'm going to say the New Year's resolution zeal, if you will, to the things of the Lord as they do for everything else. Now, maybe not exactly the same as their resolutions because we know statistically that their New Year's resolution um, uh, it generally is broken within one to six weeks. Between one to six weeks, people are usually done with their, revolution, their resolutions, and that's globally. That means, in fact, only 16% of the people who make a resolution will follow through and accomplish their resolutions. 84% of the people, well, those goals crash and burn in one to six weeks. Now, so instead of calling what we're doing this morning resolutions, or what we've been starting to do at the beginning of this year in this series, I'm going to call them commitments or serious lifestyle adjustment. Can we do that? Amen. And so, Lord, I'm making a commitment this year to make you a first priority in my life. I'm making a commitment this year not to lose my first love for you. I'm making a commitment this year to apply the first place principles as revealed in your word. You said, whoever wants to be first in this life shall be last and a servant to all. And I want it to last for more than six weeks. Amen? I want it to go throughout the whole year. Now, having said that, has anyone noticed what's going on in the economy lately? I think we all have, right? I was at Walmart and with, my, with my wife and, and doing some shopping, and Walmart used to sell ammo. And if you wanted ammo for your guns or everything, it was, it was, you had to call someone because it was behind a what, a locked case? Well, do I have that picture? This is what's behind that locked case now. What does that look like to you guys? Lock and key. Baby formula. I was at Publix, and I had to take a picture. You know those little Entenmann um, cakes? You know, those, those little, like, bun-looking things? And usually you see it in the middle of the aisle, and it's a, it's a BOGO. It's a buy one, get one free, and it's usually about how much? How much? About $2, $3, right? $8.99. For one, there wasn't even a BOGO on it. <laughs> it was just one. How about those eggs? <laughs> eggs, man. Eggs, I'm told, they're up 60%. Eggs. Now, I'm not understanding why eggs prices have tripled and chicken prices hasn't. I mean, brings me back to that old question, which came first, the chicken or the egg? And um, I went ahead and Googled it, 
And they said it's because of some kind of bird Aryan flu that supposedly hit only the egg-laying chickens. <laughs> okay, whatever. Now, this stuff is going on in almost every area of our life. It's in energy, the cost of energy is going up. If you live in, up north in a cold area where you have to heat your house with, you know, uh, gas or natural gas, those prices have, uh, have gone through the roof. Groceries have gone up. Gas has gone up. Well, gas is coming down, but <laughs> they're still high when compared to two years ago. And we just had an election, so they're going to be going up again. Uh, all right? Now, and I'm thinking to myself, now more than ever, now more than ever, people need to be looking to God to meet their needs. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Looking to God to uh, establish his promises of provisions in our lives. And his promises are many. One of them is found in, in uh, Proverbs 3.9. This is what he says. He says, honor the Lord with your wealth. With the, Help me out, somebody. First fruits of all your crops then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. <clears throat> the title of this morning's message is First Fruit. First Fruit. And what an awesome promise. <clears throat> but just like we've seen in Matthew 6.33 where he says, Seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. It's a... These promises are 100% conditional. If you honor him with your first fruits, then he will make your barns be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim with new wine. How many are interested in overflowing barns and vats overflowing? Come on, somebody. Especially in the new year. I know I am. Now, let me tell you something. When it comes to the things that God blesses, what he blesses, no one can curse. Can I, should I say that again? What God decides to bless, no one can curse. They may try, <laughs> but just like the scripture says, no weapon forged against you shall prosper. Um, it doesn't mean a weapon won't be forged against you. It, won't mean, it doesn't mean someone won't try to curse you or try to do things to you. But if you're in the will of the Father, doing what the Father wants you to do, it's not going to work. No weapon forged against you will prosper. What God has blessed, no one can curse. And that's what he meant, the psalmist, went in Psalms 23, verse 5 and 6. That's what he meant when he said, You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with what? Blessings. With blessings. Surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Folks, I'm talking about the blessings of the Lord and how we can walk in them throughout this year. Now, something I believe that all of us want, but truthfully, not all of us will do what it takes to have it. Because in many minds, it doesn't make sense how we can give more and get back more than what we gave. 
How many know if God is involved, that's a truism, amen? amen? I call it the blessed 90%. But if you understood the concept of sowing and reaping like they do in agricultural settings, because that's basically what Jesus was dealing with back then, it makes perfect sense. That's why the Apostle Paul uses the, the language that he uses in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. He says, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds, someone say a few seeds, will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Does that make sense? If you plant a little bit, don't expect a lot. If you plant a little, you're going to get a little back. You will reap what you sow. If you plant generously, he says, you will get a generous crop. And then he tells you what he's actually talking about. He says, you must, verse 7, each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who does what? <laughs> Turn to someone and say, you got to be cheerful. <laughs> And then he goes on and says, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat it. And in the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Anybody interested in having increased resources in the coming year? How many know that God doesn't know a recession? <laughs> as far as God is concerned, it ain't nothing but a thing. But he tells us if we want to see those increased resources, it's, again, it's not just for you to say, I've got. He says, increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Again, most of us are not farmers in this room, but, but the same principles apply. The, the seed that God has given you are your resources, your paycheck. Of which he says, I want you to treat it like seed, and I want you to give of your first fruits. Say first fruits. First fruits means not last fruits. Anybody listening? And he says, if you choose to sow sparingly with the seed that he gives you, because everything we have, the scripture says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and everything in it belongs to him. So everything he allows to come to you really is his, and he's asking for first fruit, and he says if you choose to sow sparingly with what he's given you, you will also reap sparingly. But if you choose to sow bountifully of what he's given you, you will reap bountifully. Now someone might say, well, okay, Pastor Rick, what is the correct amount to sow or to give? And I'm going to give you basically... Two answers, okay, because he tells us you give of, of what you can uh, joyfully give, first of all, and, and, and can afford because he loves a cheerful giver, amen, 
And then the Bible suggests not so much an amount, but a percentage. And we all know what that percentage is by now. What is it? Help me out, somebody. Uh, a, a 10%. Malachi 3, 6 through 12 says, I am the Lord, and I do not change. That is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Malachi was a prophet, and he was speaking prophetically to the children of Israel. But you ask, how can we return when we have never gone anywhere? So they're asking, you know, what are you talking about? We're right here. And, he go, and then he goes on and explains it. Verse 8, should people cheat God? One translation says, shall a man rob God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and the offerings due to me. Then he tells them what the consequences of cheating him was. You are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple, in my church. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it and put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you, help me somebody, blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Now listen to me. Another if-then promise we see in Malachi. Well, Pastor Rick, I mean, that's, isn't that Old Testament? Well, he says in that same verse, I am the Lord, I change not. The Bible says Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same prophet, I'm, some of you know the story because you've been to our backstage past. Some of you are going to be in it. But when we came to this church, when we first started uh, planting a church in Broward County, we were at a school, Plantation Park Elementary. And while we were there, I started getting uh, uh, prophetic words from different people. One, one, one lady called me up and said, Pastor Rick, I see someone handing you the keys to a building. I said, from your mouth to God's ears, I pray that happens. Another person, after I was preaching for a while, came to my service and said, I feel strongly that you're supposed to go hear another preacher at another church tonight. Do you have an evening service? I said, I don't have an evening service. I'll be there. I went. Good, decent message. Nothing to write home to mom about. But then I, uh, I started seeing people I used to go to church with at West Lowell. I started walking toward the aisle at the end to say hello. A prophetic couple, a husband and a wife, stopped me, started prophesying. Sir, you think you're planting one church. The Lord said you're planting three churches. All the material you'll need and the buildings will be there for you. Second word about a building. By the way, we have, there are three Living Water Community Churches since then. Amen. The last one came from my, she was my office manager for many years, but before that, she came to our church. She got saved, Miss Shelley, 
She went home to visit her mom in Jamaica. The, I get this email from her. The email says, um, Pastor Rick, you, you don't know this guy, but he's my mom's pastor. They call him the prophet. He says he has a word for you. This was the word. First he told her, he said, the man that you are with is a good man. Speaking to me, he says, the Lord says he's full of faith. Tell him by the end of the year, next year, you will be in your own church building. What? I said, now I've got three words, and one of them puts a time limit on it. I wouldn't have to wait long to find out if it's a word from God. And sure enough, by the end of the year, that next year, the Lord blessed us with these buildings. To God be the glory. Amen? Amen? And so... That's why I have a problem with people who say that God doesn't speak prophetically anymore. I've been listening to God speak prophetically all my ministry life in different ways, and I'll tell you about it. But God still speaks today. But that same prophet, after we were into this thing for about two years, he called me up, and he said, he, he, he said Pastor Rick, the Lord spoke to me again, and he, told me, he, told me, he basically told me two things. I said, what's that? He said, you're supposed to, the Lord said, you're supposed to share the vision. <laughs> now, the Lord has given us a big vision for this place. And at the time, I was like, okay, Lord, I've heard this vision before. You just do it, and I'll tell the people that you told me after you do it. That's what I'll do, because it's huge. You know, it's huge. It's one of those visions out there. But he says, no, because it, it, it's, for, it's for, for those, um, you share the vision because it will resonate with some. And others will be like, no, that's not me, and that's fine. I want the ones that it resonates with because those are the ones that I've called to this place. And then he turned around and he said, and the Lord said to tell you to teach your people to tithe. Why did you have to say that? He says, not for your benefit or his benefit. How many know God doesn't need our money? He absolutely doesn't need our money. He said, teach them to tithe for their benefit. Now, at the time, I know how people are with their money. I don't want to talk about money. But because the Lord told me <laughs> prophetically to talk about it, what I do now is twice a year, at the beginning of the year and the end of the year, I will teach on tithing. And so, you are not here by accident. <laughs> You've got the beginning of the year message on tithing, okay? Now, these are God's promises to us. Um, when we become obedient to the tithe, several things will start to happen in our lives. Um, and I've come up with five things. It shows, number one, I want you to write this down. And if you don't have an outline, raise your hand. Let's get one to you. It shows, you, this, this hand's up. Just keep it up and they'll get one to you. It shows our faithfulness to God. It shows our faithfulness to God. Deuteronomy 14, 23, the Living Bible says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. There's that word first again. Matthew 25, 23, the master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You 
have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And so it shows your faithfulness when you decide to take of your resources, the seed that God's given you, and you make him a priority in your giving. I'm not making it up. That's what the scripture says. That's why I give you the scriptures so you can go back and listen to them. Also, it demonstrates uh, evidence of our righteousness or right standing with God. Write this down. Our righteousness with God. Psalms 37, verse 21 and 22. It says, the wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give what? It's getting quiet in here. The righteous give generously. Those the Lord blesses will inherit the land, but those he curses will be destroyed. So now we see not only what God blesses can no one curse, but what God curses, no one could bless either. Okay? Let's read the rest of that. It says in Psalms 37, verse 23, the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him, though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hands. Then he says, I was young and now I am old, yet I never, I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be a what? Come on, somebody. Their children will be a blessing. And so it shows our righteousness or right standing. It shows that God is working in our hearts, all right, to do the right things. And even it says the wicked bond, they do not repay, but the righteous give generously. When you start to become obedient to the things of the Lord, the, the righteousness of God will start to be on display in your life, not just in, in the area of giving, but in other areas as well. Does that make sense? And so, I mean, my wife and I, we were at, uh, we were at uh, Lowe's the other day and uh, putting up a fence. We, were, we went there to get a, um, we went there to get a uh, microwave because I was broke, and to fencing because our fencing is broken in the backyard. And so as we're checking out, the lady um, scans it, scans everything, and, and she says, okay, it's going to be $200. And we had fencing, and we had the microwave. The microwave by itself was $260. So I turned and I said, ma'am, did you ring up the microwave? She says, uh, oh, oh. So it went from $200 to $400 and something, dollars, almost $500. And as we're walking out, my wife says, you know what? We could have got a free microwave today. <laughs> she was joking because she wouldn't have done that at all. But I said, yeah, that, that's, she, she missed it, you know. And as we're getting into the car, I realized, too, as I'm putting the stuff in the car, there's a, the stakes for the fencing. We got some fencing parts and then the stakes for the fencing. I said, I don't think... I don't think she rang that up. She said, well, Deborah said, check the receipt. Now, we're already in the car now. We're about to pull out. So we checked the receipt. said, 
Nah, she didn't bring it up. And so we got out of the car. My wife got out of the car. <laughs> we went back in the store. We said, ma'am, you didn't bring this up. You can check that. And they looked at us like we had three eyes. <laughs> because for, for many people, they look at something like that and they say, cha-ching, uh, blessing from the Lord, right? Blessing. Lord's blessing us, right? <laughs> you know? So, but when righteousness shows up in your life and right standing, it's, first of all, it wasn't, she, she had missed it. It wasn't hers to give away. Come on, somebody. It was the stores. And those are the sort of things that God looks at and he says, okay, this one has a heart for me. Come on, somebody. And so it will start to show up in areas of your life. Now, it also, when we start to get this thing right in our lives, it encourages us to be united with each other, united with each other. Now, let me explain that. In Psalms 133, it says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the bed, running down on Aaron's bed, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Folks, when we get on the same page with God, especially in our giving, uh, or, and or giving to causes, verse 3, uh, in, the, uh, the, uh, uh, in the New King James Version, puts it this way. It says, it is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commands a blessing. He commands a blessing, life forevermore. God commands a blessing when we unite under the leading of his spirit in anything we do, including our giving, because when we collectively take and, and, and give where God tells us to give, listen to me, the blessing not only goes out to those who we give to, but the Bible says he makes sure the blessing comes back on you. You cannot, the scripture says, you cannot give a cup of water in my name without receiving God's blessing. Someone say God's watching. And so it shows our faithfulness to him. It reveals uh, 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 the evidence of our righteousness with him and our right standing, and it encourages us to be united before him even in our giving. When and we give to missions. We give thousands of dollars a year to different mission needs here and all over the world. And it encourages us to be united in that way. And when we become united, the Bible says it commands a blessing. A blessing from who? A blessing from God to you. Amen? And the fourth thing is it invites us, <laughs> it's the only place in the scripture that it does this, it invites us to test him in this area. We saw that in Malachi already when he, he said, test me in these things. Now, it's the only place in the Bible where God says to test me, to use your resource. Every other place it says, do not put God to a foolish test. Do not, you know, you know, put him through something that's ridiculous. But he says, in the area of your finances, he says, test me in it. Test me in this area and see if I will not open the windows of heaven. 
But check out this next verse, Proverbs, it's Proverbs 19, 17. It says, whoever is generous to the poor does what? Lends to the Lord and, who, and what? And he will repay him for his deeds. Who's he? God. Turn to someone and say God. God. Turn to someone else and say you can't outgive God. Amen. It's not on your outline, but Proverbs 11.24 says, NRV says, One person gives freely, yet gains even more, and another person withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. One person gives freely and gains more, and the the other person withholds, and eventually it says they come to poverty. Lastly, it will demonstrate your trustworthiness, your trustworthiness. It says in Luke chapter 16, verse 10, it says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, listen, worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone, someone else's property, Who will give you property of your own? And then he breaks it down. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Verse 14. Now the Pharisees who loved money heard all this, and they were sneering at Jesus. And he said to them, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others. But God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. So in other words, he's saying if if the most important thing in your life is money, he says that's become an idol. And God He says, you cannot serve both God and an idol at the same time. And the way you show that it's not an idol in your life, he says, is through your tithes and your offerings. It shows your obedience to the Father. It shows your heart toward him. And therein ultimately lies the truth because he says it's a heart issue. Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So whatever you treasure the most on this earth, that's where your heart is. And I can tell you, generally speaking, what people's priorities are by looking in two places. Their day planner or their agenda and their checkbook. That will tell the story of what your priorities are on this world. And so what's the solution? Here's the word again, Psalms 37.5. Matter of fact, read it out loud with me. One, two, three, go. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. Now, does everything mean everything? Does everything mean, you know, the raising of your kids? 
oh yes, of course, everything means everything. Who said yes and then said no when I first question? <laughs> Don't mean your kids. Of course it means your kids. <laughs> Does it mean your careers? Does it mean your career path? Tell me out somebody. Does it mean your career path? Yes, all right. Does it mean the person you're going to choose to walk through this life with you? Come on. The choosing of a partner. Does it mean the handling of your finances? Everything means everything. And he says, commit everything you do to the Lord. And once you do that, he says, trust him and he will help you. So the challenge for us at the beginning of this year, and not just the beginning of this year, because we don't want it to, to be like a New Year's resolution, which is done within six weeks. Is to make it a commitment if you haven't already done so and start giving God of your first fruits and not your leftovers. Because if you leave it to your leftovers, there's nothing left over. It's tipping. And we saw this in real time just over the last two years. How many know that over the last two years, churches closed their doors? Why do you think that happened? Of course, the people stopped coming, and people stopped giving, and the church can't keep its doors open when people stop coming, stop giving. Except here, <laughs> because you guys continue to give even with the doors closed, even with the numbers down, because so many of you understand this whole giving principle. Okay, you understand it. And for that, God says, you're blessed. And that's what I meant by, I'd rather live on a blessed 90% than a cursed 100 when it comes to the seed that God has given me. Does that make sense? And so he encourages us to commit everything to the Lord, to trust him, and he will help us. And so that's our challenge, to make him first in our giving as well. Because when you make him a priority in your giving, he makes you and your house a priority in his blessings. And I want to walk in God's blessings. And then he says, test him in these areas. Test him in these areas. Now, more importantly, Jesus said, what does it matter if you gain the whole world and in the end lose your soul? Because what can a man give in exchange for his soul? That's why he says, you know, what you value on this earth, God doesn't value that stuff. God doesn't need our money, okay? What he, what he needs and what he wants is our heart. <laughs> and he understands that where your treasures are, there your heart will be also. And so when he looks at us, he looks at me, he doesn't just look at the outside. That's what we found out with David. Remember when they were trying to pick a king and, and, and uh, David's father kept going to different people. He's tall and he's this and he's that. Surely it must be this one. Samuel, the prophet, kept saying, and the Lord said, no, men judge on outward appearances. God doesn't judge on outward appearances. He doesn't, we, we have American idols based on how good you know, people look. God doesn't care how good you look on the outside. He cares about the condition of your heart. Amen? Amen. He, he judges what's going on on the inside. So he looks in the, in the heart 
and he says, is, is this man or is this woman, is this a young man, a boy, girl, are they for me or are they not? That's when he said, there's so many people, they honor, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are not from me. And the practical aspect of it, people love their money. They just do. And it's a reflection of where you are in your relationship with the Lord. Your giving is a reflection of where it is. And your trust. And your trust. And I told someone the other day, they told me, well, Pastor Rick, I mean, what if we don't have, what if we don't have the money to give? And you heard me say this before. If you give of your first fruit, you, you always have the money to give. You always do. Because the tithe is built into the, into the seed. And if you sow sparingly, the scripture says you will reap sparingly. But if you give of your last fruit, you will never have the money to give. Because he's an, an afterthought. And the only people that can say that they don't have the tithe are people who can say that God has given them no seed or given them nothing. How many people can say God gave them nothing? Don't raise your hands. Because no one can say that. The bum on the street, when I hand him a dollar, has the tithe. It's in the dollar. It's in the seed. So... We need to get our priorities, shift our priorities. Am I going to be giving of my last fruit or am I going to be giving of my first fruit? Now, Jesus ultimately is our first fruit, all right? For all of us being raised uh, to eternal life first, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 20 says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep for since death came through a man, Adam, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man, Jesus. For as Adam, for as in Adam all die, in other words, what we all deserve because of Adam's sin is death. So in Christ all will be made alive because of what Jesus did. The last the Bible doesn't call him the second Adam, it calls him the last Adam. <laughs> There's not going to be a third Adam and a fourth Adam <laughs> it's, it, it was Adam who blew it and Jesus who redeemed it all come on somebody but each in turn but each in turn Christ the first fruits then when he comes those who belong to him then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom of God to the father after he has destroyed all dominion authority and power and so my question to you this morning is, will you be joining Jesus as the first fruit and millions of others who have bowed their knees to him in every area of their lives? And my pastor used to say this, and used, at the time he used to bug me because I wasn't all the way, you know, you, know, you thought sometimes you're, you're in, but sometimes you're really not. He, he used to say, listen, if God, if Jesus isn't Lord of all, He's not Lord at all. Does that make sense? If he's not your priority in every area of your life, he's not. Lord means the one sitting on the throne. <laughs> and so when he says things, that means, again, a lot of times we treat our Christianity like it's a democracy. 
And Jesus isn't a, it's, he's not, he, he's not a Democrat and he's not a Republican. He's a king. He's a monarch. He's a benevolent monarch. And he says, for those who do what I say, that's what he says, those are the ones. He says, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. It's only those who do what he says. All right? And so this, this is just one of those areas. So when the prophet said to me many years ago, it's like 17 years ago, and immediately he says, the Lord said to tell, tell him to teach your people a tithe. And, and I'm glad I did because when this storm came, you know, where other churches shut their doors, actually I, I, the, the giving for our church went through the roof. I've never seen nothing like it. People were going down, the giving was going up. And it caused us to keep our doors open. To God be the glory. Amen. And I stand on his word because he says, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. But he who sows generously will reap generously. And he says, put me to the test. And so I put that out. <laughs> it's the first of the year message. You won't hear me talk about it till the next end of the year. But I put that out at the beginning of the year. You do with it as you choose. For me and my house, I have found that I cannot outgive God. Amen. And that sometimes things might be tight, <laughs> but He's seen me through every single thing that's come into my life. To God be the glory. Amen. And so I, I, I am here as a testimony to say that what God says is true, is true. So whatever he gives you, whatever seed, whether it's big or small, it's not an amount, it's a percentage that he's saying. He says, give of your first fruit and watch me bless the rest. But more importantly, Jesus being our first fruit, invites us to the table of salvation. He says, if you put your trust in me, not just in the area of your giving, but your entire life, if you put your trust in me, he said, because I live, Adam, the first Adam blew it for everybody. He sinned and brought sin into this world, and we're all under sin. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord of the last Adam. <laughs> He blew it for everybody, but Jesus purchased salvation for all who would put their trust in him and believe that he came and died for their sins. And so with that, I want to give everyone an opportunity because it says he's the first fruits, but guess what? He's the first that, 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 that gets raised from the dead, but we're also in that group if we put our trust in him. Amen? He's not the last fruits, all right? We're, we're going to follow him. If we, push our, if we put our trust in him. So as we come to a close today, if you've not yet accepted Christ as your Savior and Lord, that's your first step, okay, more than your finances. Although there are businesses who practice this principle and their businesses get blessed just the same. But Jesus said, what does it matter if you gain the whole world and then lose your soul? The most important thing is, is your soul. It's the, it's the, it's the you inside of you. Where are you going to spend eternity? Are you going to spend eternity with God or eternally separated from Him? 
in rejecting Jesus. For me, it's a no-brainer. Jesus died for my sins. I accept him. I invite you to do the same. If you haven't yet done that, be my privilege and my honor to lead you in a prayer of commitment to him. Does everyone bow their heads and close their eyes? And if that's you today, if you've not yet accepted Christ as your Savior and your Lord and you would like to, just slip up your hands and say, Pastor Rick, pray for me. I see a hand. Anybody else? If you're watching online, I don't have to see your hand. God sees your hand. Say, pray for me. Say something like this. Say, Heavenly Father, I see you back there. I ask you to come into my life, to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins, to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross. Three days later, rise from the dead. He didn't die for his sins. He died for my sins. And he's now the first fruit, first of many. And because I put my trust in him, I too shall live along with him. Today, I commit my life to you, Jesus. In your name, I pray. And we all said, Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.